you ever have these moments where you know that you could be fueling your body better? You know that nutrition is huge and it's such a huge component to all the things in the rest of your body and the rest of your life, but you just aren't really sure where to start. There's so much mixed messaging out there when it comes to what diet to follow and what healthy living protocol to follow. And it really honestly just gets a little bit confusing. And add on the fact that you might be raising tiny humans that also need to eat well as well. And it's sometimes on top of the just fueling yourself, fueling these little tiny humans and being responsible for their well-being can also add that extra layer of challenge. So this episode, if that's you and you're hearing yourself in the, <laughs> this episode is for you. I was able to get together with Casey Flood. She's an incredible nutritionist and really focuses in on maternal and child nutrition through clean eating. And so it was such a pleasure to be able to chat with her. She had so much goodness to share. And so if you're interested in healthy eating and you know you need to level up your eating and your nutrition game, this episode is for you. Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to be here with you today because we have an incredible guest that I am so excited to be talking to about something that I know relates to everybody and certainly a lot of the audience that is maybe mamas with children, because I know we've got a lot of listeners that are in that stage of life. So today I have Casey Flood with me, and she is a nutritionist that specializes in maternal and child nutrition. She's also a mama of two, a two-year-old and a 10-month-old, and a spouse to a Green Beret. She has a huge passion for teaching moms how to simplify clean eating, empowering moms with the tools they need to feel confident in building healthy habits for themselves and their families. Easy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to chat with you today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's funny because the term clean eating gets thrown around a lot and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of so much out there. What does, from your perspective anyways, as a nutritionist, what does clean eating even mean for you? Yeah, so I think clean eating is definitely, I would kind of call it a lifestyle or a way of eating, not really necessarily, I hate diets, I hate the word diet, I wouldn't call it that, but it's definitely a lifestyle way of eating where we're really focusing on eliminating artificial ingredients from the diet. So kind of taking a more whole foods approach to eating. There's kind of three principles that I usually teach when we're talking about how to get started with clean eating, which we're really going to focus on cooking more at home, cooking more and making more of our food from scratch, and then clean label reading, which I think cooking more at home and making more from scratch is pretty self-explanatory. But when I'm talking about clean label reading, just being more aware of 
what is in the food that we're buying and the ingredients that are added to our foods a lot of the time that necessarily aren't always the most natural and our body doesn't really understand how to process these foods. So yeah, that's kind of clean eating in a nutshell and how I would, my perspective on clean eating and how I teach clean eating. That makes sense. And it is, yeah. it's funny because this is interesting too, because originally when you said that, I was like, oh, the first two are probably going to cut back on a lot of the issues with the third, the label reading. But there's a lot of healthy foods out there that you might buy that have things in them that there's a lot more yes. to, the, to the insides of what a healthy, you know what I mean? The traditional, it's funny, I yeah. was at the grocery store yesterday and I was looking at these like gummies or whatever for my kids lunch and the ones that had the scooby-doo and whatever on the package that looked way more sugary just because of the way they were represented when i looked at the package and this is not necessarily totally applicable because neither of them are clean eating but <laughs> it was just funny because i was looking at them and they had this one with fruit on the front and it's like fruit stations or something that you know mm -hmm. the label and I looked at the back and they were the exact same ingredients. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is like one of the hardest things with clean eating and really understanding what you're buying is the marketing claims and the way that foods presented on the shelf is very misleading, I find. And foods that we necessarily think every choice is a healthy choice. I just put together some information the other day on choosing a clean yogurt. Yogurt is something that you, I think most people, if you're choosing a yogurt, that's a what we would consider like a healthy food. But if you knew some of the stuff that they're putting in your yogurt, it's not healthy and it has a negative health effect on our body. And you don't think when you're eating yogurt that you're doing something that may have a negative health effect to you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> it's good to have these conversations though so that we can start to have that awareness because I think once <laughs> you, especially when you're, shopping for a family or you're when you feed yourself and it's not that it it should be less but what I feel like there's like a new level of consciousness when you're feeding yeah. little ones in the house and yeah. it shouldn't be less you should be caring for yourself as much as you you are with little ones in the house but it does change the game a little bit I don't do you find that is that why when you're working with moms do you find that that's a common new thing yeah. for them yeah. And I think for me too, like myself, I didn't really dive into clean eating until I had my son. And that's how actually I got involved in it and kind of learned more about it because clean eating is not something that we're taught when we're going through education and becoming a nutritionist. Even when I was working in public health, this was not something that was talked about. We never talked about the ingredients that were being added into our food. It's always kind of been this common belief of, well, if it's in your food, it's safe. It's approved by the FDA. It's safe, right? And it wasn't until I had my son and I was doing a lot of research into baby food and wanting to make sure that the baby food that I was offering him was safe. And I started doing research into these different ingredients and my mind was just blown because it was like all of these issues that I myself was experiencing and I knew clients in the past are experiencing it. Like this could really be directly related to the ingredients that are in the foods that we're eating. And so I do find that we have a new sense of awareness and we do I do find two moms, it, having kids is really a driving force and wanting to kind of level up your nutrition and focus on your health. So I think that does give us a little bit of a push to kind of, you know, be a little bit more aware. Yeah, absolutely. So 
with clean eating, it's interesting because there are a ton of diets, whether we <laughs> call them diets or ways of eating or whatever, yes. <laughs> whether you're paleo or vegan or, you know, all you just Mediterranean diet, okay. all the things. They all say that they're the best way to eat. How do we navigate all the conflicting nutritional information and advice that we're getting either directly or subliminally around what's healthy? Yeah. So there's just super common, the overwhelm, right? When you're trying to make healthier choices, it's like, which one do I pick? Everyone's preaching that they're yeah. the best option. <laughs> Everybody that's following these diets are saying that, oh, it's life changing. And I think yeah. an important thing to note and something I'm a very firm believer in is there is no one optimal diet that's going to work for everyone. So what may work for you could be completely different for something that works for me and makes me feel good. And so I really try to encourage avoiding the fad diets, the elimination diets. You need all three macro macronutrients. You need protein, you need fat, and you need carbs. So I would definitely, and this is my opinion, I would stray from any type of elimination-based diet or any type of fad diet. Again, think more in terms of a lifestyle or a way of eating, clean eating, animal-based, plant-based. Those are more, I would think, more lifestyle-based diets than this, don't eat this, very kind of restrictive in nature. And then when you are kind of looking to improve your diet, to pick what is the best, it's going to be very individualized for you. And so some key things I would kind of start with is do your research. So make sure that when you are doing your research, you're getting them from people who are a reputable source. So, you know, I wouldn't, not that you shouldn't take into account what your friends at Pilates are saying or this person at your son's baseball game or practice, but really find people who know what they're talking about. We live in a world where social media is there it's big and you have access to many dietitians and nutritionists that know what they're talking about and so find those people reach out to those people and ask their opinion on whatever it is that you're looking to whatever kind of like lifestyle diet we'll say we'll call it a diet that you're looking to follow so i'll use the animal-based plant-based as an example Find, if you're thinking, I'm going to eat more plant-based, I want you to think of what your goal is. Why are you trying to eat healthier? Are you trying to lose weight? Do you want more energy? Are you trying to stabilize your blood sugar, lower your cholesterol? Reach out to people who are plant-based nutritionists, plant-based dietitians. Ask them, hey, I'm interested in eating a more plant-based diet. I'm really trying to stabilize my blood sugar. Can you tell me the benefits of a plant-based diet and stabilizing my blood sugar? reach out to multiple people, get more than one opinion. Just like when something happens to our health, we always say, oh, I want to get a second opinion on that. We should be doing the same when it comes to our nutrition. And then here's the other key point. Make sure you're asking people on the opposite side of the fence. So if you're thinking of going more plant-based, reach out to the people who are animal-based nutritionists, animal-based dietitians, and ask, I'm thinking of eating more plant-based to help stabilize my blood sugar. What is your opinion on that? How would an animal-based diet help me stabilize my blood sugar? And then what this allows you to do is when you're acquiring all this information from different people, different sides of the fence, then that's where you can make an educated decision that's right for you. And I think sometimes people, when they hear this, are like, that's going to confuse me more. But I promise you, when you do that, you're going to find a sense of clarity and knowing like, yes, this is for me. This is something that I want to try. Or maybe, no, this isn't for me. Let's kind of try something else. And then that's the key, trying it. Try out 
the lifestyle, try out the diet. How does that make you feel? Start to make those changes. And then, you know, five, six, 10 weeks down the line, has my blood sugar stabilized? Has my cholesterol lowered? Do I feel better? Do I have more energy? And make tweaks from there. I love that you share. That's really wise advice to look at not only where you're thinking of going, Mm -hmm. but also what's on the flip side. Yeah. Because that is the danger is you get pulled into this way of thinking that one is superior to the other when, in fact, like you said, some things work. There's a lot of different things that work for different people Mm -hmm. and bodies. And it's so helpful to be able to make an educated decision Mm -hmm. from that for you, what's best for you. And I love that you shared about doing the check-in too, (laughs) because I think a lot of times we hear about these ways of being, you know, nutritionally structuring our, however we eat. And we're like, okay, this is working for so many people. I'm going to go do it. And almost the decision is made there and then, and there's this reflection period that we almost forget to do. Mm -hmm. And then I think a lot of people end up down this line if they stick with it and they're like how did I get here this is not serving me anymore but I I didn't really pay attention when I started it to really know how to course correct from here Mm -hmm. have you run into that as well yeah and I think that's I mean it's a huge piece of it it's because the diet or lifestyle way of eating that's going to work for you is dependent on you you really have to tune into yourself and listen to your body and how it's feeling. I always recommend journaling. Like before you start something, write down how you're feeling. And then maybe every week you write down the changes that you made, how you were feeling. Did you notice any change? And that can help guide you because sometimes too, we'll get down the line and it's like you don't even really remember where you started. And so having that journal to look back and say, these were, this was happening oh shoot, that, I still feel this way. Like maybe something else, I need to switch this up and do something else. Or I do feel better. This is working. And that may kind of help you in terms of figuring out what's going to work best for you. Mm, love that. So when we talk about, just circling back for a second, you talked about the three elements. So there was making more at home, making more from scratch, and then being able to dissect labels basically mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> be able to understand yeah. what the labels are telling us yeah is there an area of like when you're working with people is there like do you hit off one and then work on the other or how do you because it I think nutrition is kind of because there's so many options and there's so many people saying conflicting things it's just an overwhelming topic for a lot of people yeah. they're like I don't even know what <laughs> Yeah. Usually, I mean, it kind of depends on where you're at. Everyone, what their lifestyle and their nutritional choices that they're making now tend to be kind of different. But if you're wanting to get started with clean eating, I do usually recommend focusing on the like cooking more of your meals at home. I'm really all about the simple solution. So these kind of may seem simple, but I feel like that's sometimes easier and helps with the overwhelm. So cooking more at home, focus on not eating out as much, including fast food and like eating out at a restaurant. Not that you have to, you know, never do those things. I still eat out at restaurants. We went out to eat last night for dinner. So it's not that you have to cut them out completely, but just make more of the majority of your meals should be home cooked meals. 
limit processed, frozen, prepackaged frozen foods. Those are where you're going to find a lot of those artificial ingredients because there has to be something in there to preserve it and make it last until you're going to eat it. And then a really big one that I find really helpful is making water your main beverage choice. So cutting out soda, sweet tea, sports drinks, these really sugar-sweetened beverages because a lot of those are filled with artificial ingredients and things that just aren't natural for our body. And when we tend to drink a lot of those sugar-sweetened beverages, I find people aren't drinking very much water and your body needs water and it needs that to function and to be hydrated. It's really amazing people that I've worked with who have simply, they've been soda drinkers and they'll start to limit or cut out their soda and they will literally shed weight. Like the weight just like comes right off. They have more energy. There's such a huge, huge impact in just this like one little, little tidbit thing that I think if you're finding yourself and you feel like you're in that situation, like I do drink a lot of soda, I do drink a lot of Gatorade, just limiting that can really be a great place to start and you're going to notice a huge impact. Mm. Now, it's in terms of like clean, like if you're like, I'm doing all of those things already, I feel like I've got that down. That's usually when I will suggest kind of diving into the more clean label reading. That's a little bit at the whole nother can of worms within itself. And that can be even more overwhelming. <laughs> so if you are looking to start making swaps within your household and wanting to clean up the food products that you're already making, start small, start slow. And I'm not recommending like purging your entire fridge and pantry of artificial ingredients. Start with the foods that you're using daily. What are, for me, is coffee creamer. I usually have coffee twice a day. That's something that, you know, I'm using on the daily. Things that you're on your grocery list every time you go to the grocery store and make the swap when you're buying them at the grocery store. That's where you're going to see the biggest impact. You're going to see more of an impact in the foods that you're eating every day than the foods that you're maybe having once or twice a month. And so that's a great place to start swapping. And then there's kind of five ingredients that I recommend you start with because when you start to turn over those food products, it's going to be overwhelming. Majority of people don't even know there's things on there. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. I have to do the research behind it. This is not something I'm familiar with. So there's kind of five ingredients that I recommend you start with, which are artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, industrial seed oils, and then GMOs, or usually on a food package, it's going to be labeled as bioengineered food ingredient. So those are like five key ingredients that you can kind of start with. And if you find that those are those ingredients are listed on the food products that you're buying, so you go to the store, on your coffee creamer, maybe try and search for a coffee creamer option at your grocery store that doesn't have those ingredients in there. Do you remember? So that was, <clears throat> do I repeating those five? Yeah, of course. It was artificial sweeteners. Artificial yeah. flavors, high fructose corn syrup, industrial seed oils, and then GMO or bioengineered food ingredients. Mm. And so that is labeled. The G- is that something that's a requirement for them to label for the GMO? Yeah. So usually it'll have. That's what it okay. usually will be like the very bottom of the food nutrition facts. It'll say bioengineered. Tiny lettering. Food, yeah. Food ingredients. When you are looking for a product that doesn't have that in there, there is the non-GMO project. So that is like a stamp or something that'll be on the, usually the front of the product or somewhere near the nutrition label. And that just lets you know that it's not um, genetically modified. Okay. That's awesome. That's (laughs) so many good tips on where to start. So when we think about ourselves as, I mean, and we might see it in our kids too, actually, how do we know, other than 
we're going to take this area or this way of approach where we're cooking more at home, we're cooking more from scratch, we're paying attention to what's on the labels. But I wonder if, have you come across this or do you find, are there key body indicators that you have seen consistently that kind of a red flag that something's off in our nutrition? Yeah. Either in adults or kids or both? Yeah. So a really big one is if you're experiencing like chronic fatigue, if you feel really sluggish, if you're eating a meal and 10, 20, 30 minutes later, you feel like you want to take a nap. That might be an indicator that maybe we're not fueling our body the right way because food is fuel. You should feel energized. You should have energy. You should feel good after you eat a meal. So if you find yourself kind of in that sluggish, I just don't have the energy, that may be an indicator that maybe you want to take a deeper look into what you're eating. And then the other really big one is if you are having any issues that are directly related to your digestive system. So gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, acid reflux, heartburn. All of those types of things are going to be directly related to the food that you're putting in your body more times than not. And so looking at your diet and what you can do to change that in order to help relieve those symptoms. And our gut is connected to so many other systems in our body. There's, you know, a link between our gut health, hormone regulation, brain health. So that is if you are experiencing those types of symptoms, I really urge you to make some type of dietary choice because it's not only going to help with those symptoms that you're experiencing, but it's also going to influence other systems in your body in a way that will be functioning a little bit more properly. So I feel like it seems like one simple thing to fix, but it ends up fixing a lot more in reality that you don't really maybe necessarily see on the outside. Totally. We're all so interconnected. And mm-hmm. I think if you, there's a couple key things that I've talked to a lot of experts about a lot of different things. And nutrition really is one of the core ones that <laughs> there's a couple. Sleep is one and men is another, but nutrition is really at its core, influences pretty much every area mm-hmm. of our life. Yes. So it makes sense to take that one off. And start there Mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel too overwhelming. Yeah. And on that note, so when it comes to clean eating, I think people get tripped up when they want something and they feel like it's off limits. Mm -hmm. Does the scarcity thinking or the mindset that plays into kind of shifting into this clean eating approach, does it affect the potential for results? Yeah, I definitely think so. I really try to focus on having the mindset of limiting instead of completely cutting something out. Because if you have a food product and you look into it and you're like, man, this has, you know, some things in it that maybe I shouldn't be eating. This is something that I can't buy, but it's something that you really love. You don't have to completely cut it out. Maybe just focus on limiting it. Looking at how often am I eating this right now or how often am I, you know, doing whatever the habit is. And let's look at maybe just decreasing that a little bit and starting to kind of limit it rather than completely cutting it off for good. Very against anything restrictive. I think that really gets in our way of being able to make change that's going to be sustainable over a long period of time. I find when we start to do this, like, again, elimination or being really restrictive or hard on ourselves. And I find that's when people usually tend to like give up or just be like, nope, I can't do this. It's too hard. Give yourself the grace, allow yourself to indulge. You're going to see a result from the majority of the choices that you're making. You know, an occasional box of Cheez-Its isn't going to kill you. <laughs> I think that's the thing too, is that it's like, okay, I've already had Cheez-Its, so now okay. I'm going to eat the whole box. Yeah. It's almost like 
we have this all or nothing approach a lot of yes. <laughs> a lot of times and it's just not serving us. Mm-hmm. And so I think everything you said is so bang on. It's just you, you don't need to eliminate everything completely. It's just take a look at how often, yeah. <laughs> how frequently or how much you're indulging and then being able to reduce from there. Yeah. Something that always comes up, I like in conversations that I've had with clean eating is clean products, but the different versions of clean products. So like, let's say eggs mm-hmm. and you go to the store and you're like, oh, eggs are healthy for me. Eggs are good for me. But then you're, you've got your grain fed and your farm, you know what I mean? Like how do we navigate something that has multiple iterations of itself that's technically supposed to be healthy? Yeah, so I think it's just kind of determining, I guess, in a sense, what's important to you. So especially like with eggs, mm-hmm. I mean, specifically for me, I've had to look for things that are pasture-raised and things that are organic because of the way that that animal is grown. I don't know if that's the right word. Grown, raised. I don't know how to answer this specifically for all products because every product is different and that's the hard part of this. But specifically for eggs and for animal-based foods, we want to be choosing something that is raised in a way that's humane and is healthy for the environment. And also, I don't want to be eating something that has been raised on antibiotics and chemicals because what that animal eats, even when we're talking eggs, that is in the food product that you're eating. So typically when I'm talking about dairy, eggs, animal products, the organic selection, pasture-raised, when you're talking about seafood, wild-caught, those are kind of those key phrases, I guess you can say, on the food products that are kind of indicating those are kind of the practices that were used to grow and raise those animals. If that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It does. It does. It's just, I think when we go to the grocery store and and we, it's, I think maybe, and maybe it's a two-pronged approach for certain people. Maybe it's just clean. I don't know. Maybe it's choosing that what you eat and then leveling up to that yeah. at a certain point or just going all in and it's just whatever feels right for you. But I think we never really realize until, I don't know when a lot of the studies came out, but there's a lot more studies coming out about the, the residual, essentially like the residual hormones and things that we were being impacted by. <laughs> and so I didn't know if it was like, is it? pasture raised no hormones or bust <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> or is it can you do that two-prong approach if it's like for financially for I'm so lucky I live in a place where there's like my neighbor down the road has eggs <laughs> most of the year that I can get from them and so but not everyone lives in a place and space that they can do that so but it sounds to me like the sooner you can do that, the better off you are. Yeah, and I think clean eating, one of the things I love about it is it looks different for everyone. And you don't always have to be all in. If you don't want to buy, you know, certain that's not within your budget and you maybe need to pick something else that's different that you maybe doesn't 
you don't feel that it fits into that clean category. I think any any change towards eating cleaner, even if you mm-hmm. can't necessarily or don't want to buy certain things at the grocery store, just cooking more of your meals from scratch is is a step towards mm-hmm. cleaning up your diet a little bit. So I think there's even within clean eating, there's people, there's a spectrum, right? There's people who are like kind of hanging out in the beginning phase. No, you know, we are clean eaters. And then you have those people that are like, I make my own butter. I make my own cheese. <laughs> it, there's definitely like a spectrum. And I think it all depends on just where you want to fall and feel confident in that and knowing you're at least doing one thing to help, which I think, I think that's better than nothing at all. Totally. Yeah. It's go- I guess it goes back to that all or nothing approach. Mm-hmm. It's that you don't have to make your own butter in yeah. order to <laughs> do better yeah. for your for your nutrition and for your family. Though that is goals. I always see those things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to make I my own butter, my own yogurt. The butter churn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, there's no way that I actually. Yeah. I don't have time to do but <laughs> But I mean, this, it's funny. I live in a very. It's a town that was kind of like a little hippie revolution back in the 80s. And so there's a lot of people that do that kind of stuff around here. It's really inspiring because I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. I can kind of, I can get behind. Maybe that's not so as hard as I haven't done too much, but you know, as far as making it from making things from scratch. But so when it comes for, you've mentioned habits a couple of times. And I think habits really add up. They're those little things that add up. So when it comes to doing the things that you are, those stepping stones to getting into clean eating, the making more at home from scratch and things like that, are there habits for success that add up to create better results that you've seen? Yeah, I think a big one is going to be consistency. So being consistent with the changes that you're making. Um is going to be what helps to build those habits and then they become a way of living, right? They become natural and ingrained in you. So being consistent when you're starting to make changes, sticking to them and being consistent, not meaning you have to show up a hundred every single day, but be consistent in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I think it's helpful. And then focus on where you're at right now and not the result. So this happened to me when I, again, I had just learned about clean eating and I was like, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany and we need to clean up our diet. And I was, you know, obviously immersed myself in the, this community that there is and seeing these people who have been eating clean and have cleaned up their diet over years and seeing where they're at and then like trying to be there right now. Mm. And it left me extremely overwhelmed and just like, I can't do this. And instead of really scaling back, making small steps, focusing on that small steps and enjoying where I'm at in the moment and not necessarily being so focused on where I want to be. I think this applies to just nutrition in general. Whatever that goal is, it's going to take time to get there. Enjoy the moment. This isn't an instant gratification type thing. You know, we really have to work at it. And I find when we do that, it allows us to build those like foundational healthy habits that are going to be sustainable so when we do talk to you in a year or two years you you aren't back to the place that you were when you know type of thing yeah it's kind of the mindset behind it (laughs) 
allowing yourself to be able to be okay and enjoy that, enjoy the journey instead of just yeah. obsessing over the destination. Yeah. And just be happy, like be, what do I want to, how do I want to say this? Be grateful for where you are and reward yourself for where you are. So I see so often people get so fixated on the end result that they start to kind of get down on themselves mm-hmm. and beat themselves up because they're not there yet. And it's like, if you really sat down and you looked at how far you've come, even one small step, one small change, that's something to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to give you that motivation to continue. Mm-hmm. The love for yourself for taking that step for mm-hmm. your family, for yourself. It's much easier to motivate yourself long term. It's more sustainable from a place of love and excitement and curiosity than it is by berating mm-hmm. yourself. That's a powerful mm-hmm. short term motivator. You think about like athletes and things like that. But it just then in the long term, if you just continue that cycle, you're continuously talking down to yourself and then you yeah. break that. Is there any other um, any other habits that, especially when you think about moms and kids, like I don't know if meal prepping is part of this or certain ways of tackling the grocery store so that you aren't getting tempted by certain things or anything else that's like it? Yeah, so I'm a big advocate for meal planning. That's super, super helpful, especially when you're looking to cook more of your meals at home. That can be really helpful. Meal prepping, especially being a busy mom and even people who aren't necessarily moms, but you're busy, that can help kind of cut out that time that you're spending in the kitchen while still cooking more from scratch and just having that those meals ready to go. You can just hop in and eat. And then, oh, at least there was one more thing. Meal planning, meal prepping left my mind I'm not gonna think of it <laughs> you'll think about it at three o'clock in the morning uh, like. <laughs> oh I know what it was okay <laughs> when you're at the grocery yeah. store so to help you at the grocery store have it shop more from the perimeter of your grocery mm. store the outside like loop so that would usually it's typically like produce meat dairy um, rather than the aisles because the aisles tend to be those those processed prepackaged mm-hmm. it's not that you have to avoid the aisles altogether but the majority of your grocery then your little they're called different things all over we've lived all over the u.s everyone calls it different a buggy a shopping cart the majority of that should be from the outside that outside perimeter of the grocery store so your produce your meat and your dairy rather than those prepackaged pre-made foods yeah i love that that's a good tip for the grocery store yeah and this is a good thing too is that you can often get more when you start eating from at home and cooking your own meals you can afford the expensive eggs because mm-hmm. you're saving so much by not eating out too. That was just one thing that I was thinking about. Yeah. Because I think there's been, especially with now with the changing landscape of grocery prices, it's been at least conversations that I've heard that people are like, oh, like that's off limits to me now. But really, if mm-hmm. we're looking at eating for at home more, that that allows us to really be able to heal our bodies, fuel our bodies from with the best mm-hmm. without feeling like oh, we have to break the budget. Yeah. If that's and I do, too, as far as like saving money at the grocery store while trying to get started with cleaning, 
shop seasonal produce. Seasonal produce tends to be on sale. Shop things that are on sale. That's a really easy way to save money. So sometimes I'll actually go to the grocery store, buy the stuff so that I can get the stuff that's a little bit cheaper that may be on sale. And then I'll come home and with what I have, I will meal plan. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you do it the reverse, you meal plan and then grocery shop. Sometimes you can end up spending more money than you want to is what I have found. So if that's something that you're really trying to take into account, I know with the grocery prices lately, this is a big concern. Shop what's on sale and then be able to meal plan based on what you bought. So sometimes that helps. Also, I've noticed a lot of the prepackaged frozen-based foods tend to be more expensive than if you were to just buy the regular thing. Mm -hmm. So even though in, in a way it seems like I'm going to be spending a lot of money. I have found that it's actually quite the reverse. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. One thing I wanted to ask you is you specialize in maternal and child nutrition. And so we've been talking about clean eating up until this point. This is pretty applicable across the board. Is there something different for the women and the moms and the children? Is there something different? Like, is there a different element of conversation that you're having as a result of being in that specialization? Is it like eating to fuel your hormones or with your cycles or what, or postpartum? What is, what do you see that's different from just plain cleavy eating for this particular demographic? So I think a big component of that is, like I said, clean eating can take a lot of time, right? Because we are cooking more at home. And we are making more from scratch. And so I find that's where I really come into play. And what I try to do is I'm really trying to simplify the process and give moms the tools and the tips and resources that they need to help them save time. Because in reality, I don't have, you know, we have a million things on our to-do list and I can't spend all day in the kitchen. So just trying to provide them with the tools to help save time. And also really driving home that mindset of you don't have to be doing it all right now, which I think is important. But especially in terms of like working with moms, pregnant women, postpartum women, moms who are breastfeeding, I think that their needs are definitely different. So we do talk more. I find I talk a lot about gut health, fueling your body, energy, things that kind of are common issues among moms Mm -hmm. and also something that's really different within my community because we talk about clean eating, but specifically with moms and families is picky eating and getting your kids to a place where they're willing to try new foods because it's really hard when you're trying to switch out, especially if you have older kids, like they know, they know that that's not (laughs) the food that you're used to buying. All of the foods that you probably shouldn't be buying have like the characters (laughs) on the front and they're like, mom, I want the one that has, you know, Tony the Tiger on it. And so it's hard it can be hard. And so helping them kind of navigate that, I think, is something that's a little bit different. Yeah, that's actually a good point. So what is the trick? <laughs> Sorry, is there some <laughs> secret? It's funny because I my son has gone through the spectrum and he loves super, super healthy foods like, you know, salmon and avocado and obsessed with broccoli, loves all the, but then also loves complete junk. But he goes yeah. through fluctuating where he's like, yeah, I love eggs. No, I hate eggs. No, I love eggs. I hate eggs. <laughs> but I don't know. Is there a trick for picky eaters? I think there's a mistake that's often made that makes the problem worse, which is they do go through this fluctuation of 
I'm a great eater. I eat everything that mom offers me and then I'm not going to eat anything today. Like this one piece of rice looks great on my plate. I'm just going to eat that and call it good. And so what I see is when they start through these like selective eating phases is that moms will kind of write those foods off, right? Like, oh my gosh, he's not eating his carrots tonight. He doesn't like carrots. He's picky eating, doesn't like vegetables. And then they stop offering those foods. And what happens is we're decreasing their exposure to new and what I call previously rejected foods, which basically just means food you've offered that they haven't eaten. And that is what sends you into that like picky eating cycle. So I guess the secret is regular exposure to new and previously rejected food. Keep offering the foods. Don't write foods off forever because like you said, it is phases. So I promise you they'll pick back up and they'll start eating again. We're going through, we've already gone through a phase with my son when he was around 18 months and we're kind of going back through that phase right now. The last few nights at dinner have been not much has been eaten off the plate. Mm-hmm. So it's a struggle. You you go through it off and on. Yeah. That's a really good tip though, because I think it's so easy, like you said, to write it off and be like, he just doesn't like it anymore. But I've noticed with mm-hmm. my son, it has been cyclical <laughs> where it's like, Love it, hate it, love it. We're in a love waffles phase. And so now I'm like, okay, (laughs) how do I make, you know, some more diversification here? And we don't just eat waffles. But luckily for me, he likes a lot of healthy food. So that, but I remember somebody saying, and tell me if this is true, because it kind of talks about what you're talking about, that with, they were talking about school lunches specifically, and they were talking about packing lunches that you know they may not eat something and this is applicable for the dinner plate too but they know you know they Mm -hmm. may not eat something but you're putting it on the plate anyways you have your foods you know they'll eat so they're gonna they're gonna eat something but you're consistently Mm -hmm. like they're consistently seeing it on their plate I guess that's kind of in a nutshell yeah that's exactly what I teach so making sure I call them safe foods so it's a food that you know that they'll eat and that's your kind of main component of the meal And then I think of them kind of as like sides. So that's like one or two foods that is a new food. Maybe they haven't had before or you've offered and they haven't necessarily eaten it in the past. But just so that it's exposing them to those foods and eventually, hopefully they'll try it and eventually, hopefully they'll eat it. But at least you know when you're sending them off to school or when you're sitting down at the dinner table that there's at least something on that plate that Mm -hmm. you know that they'll eat. Because I know as a mom, it is really hard to... I feel like picky eating, the solution has always been make them what you're eating. And if they eat, they eat. If they don't, they don't. As a mom, that's really hard because you want your kids to eat and you want to make sure that they're, they have the energy to be able to grow and develop. And so making sure that there's something on that plate that you know that they're going to eat can give Mm -hmm. you a sense of comfort as a mom and also your child a sense of comfort because it's a food that's familiar and that Mm -hmm. they like. So kind of comfort on both ends. To have the safe food. That's so good. Oh my gosh. This has been so good. So many good tips. So where can everybody find you, follow you, (laughs) connect with you, work with you, all the things? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram at raising.tiny.foodies. So that's a great place to kind of join my little community. My DMs are always open. So I'd love to get to know you. If you have any questions, I'm pretty, I love having conversations with people. I love connecting with people. That's my favorite part of my job so please please come in and introduce yourself we'll make sure that we put the links and i think for your website instagram all the things in the show notes casey thank you so much for sharing your wisdom Mm -hmm. and your all these golden nuggets with Mm -hmm. us it's really makes a difference so thank you
Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.